Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. And uh, we're delighted this week to have Sean Harding with us. He's the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. Uh, he has uh, been in that job, I guess, about what, about a year and a half now, John? What, yes, sir. Yep, that's right. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned before the show started, we had you on about a year ago. And uh, the reason we'd like to have Sean on is agriculture is such an important part of the North Carolina economy. And the Farm Bureau wears so many different hats and is so important in that process that uh, we think it's, uh, it's good to catch up with Sean and find out exactly what's going on in the North Carolina Farm Bureau. So, Sean, why, why don't we start off by just sort of having you give us an overall view of the, uh, uh, the whole story about what the Farm Bureau does and how long it's been in existence and so forth. Just, just sort of an overview. Oh, wow. Well, we, we uh, came into existence in the late 30s, uh, 1936 specifically, Mr. Curtis, and, and, and that was, uh, you know, in response to some difficult times on the farm at that time, and farmers uh, wanted to unite and have a voice, whether it be in Raleigh or Washington or, or other places, to affect change on the farm, and uh, they came together, and, you know, I always, uh, I always laugh because uh, if you go back and look up the word bureau, uh, the, the, there's a place where you can look it up. And, and, and that word was used quite a bit in the late 30s and 40s. And we all know the FBI is a bureau. But all that means is an organization. And so we're an organization of farmers, uh, Farm Bureau, organized back in the late 30s, represent farmers. In the 50s, uh, farmers needed help with their insurance. And we started an insurance company that we're very proud of in our state that uh, is a single state insurance company or only here in North Carolina. And we take care of our neighbors here in North Carolina with that insurance company. And, and we're proud of that. So uh, we have lots of other things that we do now, obviously, but our, our core, our main goal is still to advocate for uh, not just agriculture and farmers, but rural people all across the state of North Carolina. Uh, how many, uh, how, how many members do you have and how do you become a member of the Farm Bureau? So uh, the membership is $25 and anybody can join, uh, but most likely you join when you uh, take part in our insurance company or one of our other services. Um, and so we have right now almost 600,000 members across the state and we call them member families because you can join one membership is for a family. So if you, uh, if you figure two, three people per membership, uh, we're touching over a million people in this state, which is a, uh, you know, one in every 10 people in our state. So uh, we're very, very proud of that. Uh, very proud of, of our membership and organization. And we've been able to hold $25. Uh, I think it's, you get a lot of value for that $25. Well, you certainly do, because I don't know what you can buy these days for $25 a year uh, that uh, provides all the services that uh, you provide the farmers. And so it, it is a it's a great thing. And I don't think anybody would really raise a lot of candy if you raised it two or three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're trying to we're trying to hold it there, but uh, it, it is a, a value. That's what we hope we provide a value to our farmers and to our members, all of our members. Now, you work closely with, uh, of course, state government on legislation and uh, you're sort of the watchdog, I guess, and the advocacy group. Uh, uh, Farming, of course, can be uh, uh, an industry, though, that uh, from from time to time actually uh, uh, conflicts with one another. The the interest of one farmer might 
in some cases, not be the interest of another. How do you handle those kinds of situations? Very carefully, Mr. Curtis. <laughs> we are a general farm organization, and I think that makes us, uh, I'm proud of that because we want to say we represent all farmers. Uh, but, uh, you know, when the prices of corn go up, uh, that hurts the uh, livestock farmer who's buying corn to feed to his his animals. And so uh, that, that's sort of, exactly the point I was making. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. you've got some internal <laughs> conflict. It's sort of competing interest and and it's a unique thing. But you know what? I'm proud of our organization because we talk about it all the time that, hey, at the, in the end of the day, we're all farmers. Uh, and, and really, most of our farms in North Carolina are very diversified. Uh, so they're not just doing one thing and that we all work together uh, to help each other out. So that's the challenge uh, that we have before us, but it's something that we uh, we're proud to do. Let's talk about the different crops in North Carolina and uh, give us sort of an overview of the five or six major crops uh, and uh, the percentage of revenue that they contribute. Well, you know, agriculture is our number one business in the state. I know uh, we, we continue to say that because I think sometimes it is sort of the forgotten business in our state, uh, but it is the number one business. Uh, you know, there's obviously when you think of North Carolina agriculture, if you've been here very long, you, you think about tobacco or past and tobacco is still a part of what we do here in North Carolina. Uh, but we do so much more than that. Um, we we raise, a, the, of course, we're number one in sweet potatoes. We've just gone through the holidays and Everybody thinks about sweet potatoes then, but sweet potatoes have become a year-round food. Uh, I'm very proud of the uh, effort that's been made in that industry to make it a, a year-round food, and it's a superfood. Uh, so we're number one in sweet potatoes, and we export a lot of sweet potatoes, and uh, that is uh, that is certainly a rising star in North Carolina. Uh, you know, blueberries is something I don't think people think about maybe with North Carolina, but we do a lot of blueberries down in our sand hills. Uh, and, and that's an important, another superfood uh, that's become very important and a, and a great uh, one of our vegetable crops or fruit crops that we, that we raise. Uh, obviously, everybody would, would know, first of all, corn, wheat, and soybeans, that the commodities we call them, and we're still proud of what we do there. But overall, I, animal agriculture is huge in North Carolina. And so whether you're talking about the pork industry or the poultry industry, uh, even our cattle industry, Animal agriculture is a big part of what we do in North Carolina. And so that's uh, that's still very important to us. Well, and of course, all of these different uh, areas, especially the uh, pork industry, has uh, uh, remained in the news quite a lot because uh, of the environmental situation. And, and, you know, I don't know of a single industry that's ever worked any harder to solve that problem. What, uh, what progress is being made and, and how... Where does that stand now with regards to the impact that uh, the pork industry has on the environment? Well, I think you said it correctly. I think they've done an outstanding job of, of uh, being realistic and looking at what we do and how can we do it better. And I had opportunity last spring uh, before the pandemic hit uh, to go to a uh, hog lagoon and actually stand on top of it, which was kind of crazy. It was covered lagoon. Uh, and you could stand on that cover, and what they're doing there uh, is capturing the methane off of a lagoon and then turning that into a gas that can be used, and, and uh, the technology is amazing, and it's certainly in the early stages of development, but I just see that as, you know, that's a, just a, a snapshot of what our pork industry is trying to do to look at these uh, 
these hog lagoons as not not a not just a challenge but an opportunity. What can we do here? Obviously, that helps with greenhouse gases and the climate change discussion. Uh, but it's just you know it's just showing our farmers uh, belief in science and willing to work with science and and so I'm really proud of the what the what the pork industry is doing. Uh, you you yourself uh, you of course are a farmer. Uh, what crops did you uh, specialize in? Would you? Uh, I, I guess you still farm. Yeah, we still have a farm uh, in Beaufort County, where I'm from. Um, our farm is called Southside Farms, and it's a fruit and vegetable farm. So pick your own strawberries, blueberries, blackberries. Uh, we grow all kinds of uh, fruits and vegetables, and, and actually have a retail operation there on the farm. Uh, my son is running that now. As uh, this is a full time job here in Raleigh for me, uh, but uh, he's had a very successful year. Like most farmers this year, he was concerned of, none of us knew what the pandemic was gonna to throw to us. Uh, but actually we saw a lot of people who were home, were interested in going to a farm and, and, uh, and seeing how uh, food is grown and actually buying some of that food. So I think a lot of our retail operations were successful this year. Uh, I grew up in tobacco, like most Eastern North Carolina boys. I, I grew up uh, working in tobacco and raised tobacco until 2004. But certainly, I've been around uh, animals and and uh, all the other things on the farm as well. I guess uh, having actual experience as a farmer really uh, is very valuable to your role as uh, president of the Farm Bureau. This uh, the actual experience just can't be beat. It, it's uh, it's the wisdom of people that way before me that set it up the way they did. That you have to be a farmer to be president of this organization. Um, when those conversations start to happen. Uh, in Raleigh or Washington or other places, I know where the farmer is. I've been there, I've lived it, and I can have that conversation uh, with folks and, and just try to explain the farmer side of it. So I think that was the wisdom in our organization, our forefathers, and, uh, and I certainly appreciate it. I failed to ask you when you were talking about the farm, you're, how many employees, uh, full-time employees are uh, there at the Farm Bureau? Well, here in the Raleigh in the home office, we probably have about 900 full-time employees uh, on our office in Glenwood. Uh, we have 187 county offices. So there is a Farm Bureau, one or two or three in every county in North Carolina. And that really helps us to uh, have that grassroots approach to what's going on in the state. Uh, so, you know, we're we certainly are a part of uh, the business community in every every part of the state. And we talk with the chamber all the time about what's going on in the business community because we're a part of that and we know what's happening there. So, you know, uh, if you take all of those employees, we have over 800 uh, agents across the state that, uh, in our insurance company. So really touch a lot of people. I don't think most people have any idea in the world that the Farm Bureau encompasses that size uh, because uh, uh, again, I guess uh, most, most of us just don't have any, uh, real conception of just how um, many different uh, areas of concern that you have under you. Insurance, of course, as you mentioned, is a huge one and so important to the farmer. Uh, I've sort of left myself with an awkward amount of time, not enough time to ask another question in this segment. So we're simply going to wrap, wrap this segment up by saying our guest is Sean Harding. He's the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, and we'll be back with another segment, Carolina Newsmakers, right after these messages. <laughs> 
America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. The president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, Sean Harding, is with us. He is... uh, been with us one time before. He's now beginning about. Uh, actually, you're, are you in your third year, or you're just finishing up your second year? Uh, just starting my second year. Um, I, the Farm Bureau president has to be elected every December, so I get elected every year. I got elected here about a month ago, so here we go for year two. You uh, mentioned all the, the crops a few minutes ago that uh, are so important to North Carolina. You mentioned corn and wheat and soybeans, of course, tobacco. Uh, You didn't mention cotton, and cotton, of course, uh, is an interesting crop. Uh, Do we still have much cotton growing in North Carolina? Oh, absolutely, and and I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. My cotton brothers are going to make sure I understand I didn't mention them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're the third most diverse state in agriculture in the nation, right behind California and Florida. So, you know, we got uh, uh, peanut growers and Christmas tree growers. Uh, we, we've got a lot of diversity here, but cotton is an important crop for us. Um, they have had some struggles financially as far as prices here lately, uh, but we're certainly hoping that's going to turn around. You know, we also uh, didn't talk too much about the uh, pan- uh, pandemic and all the concerns that we had when the COVID-19 situation arrived last March. But one of the things that uh, we were all initially worried about was the food distribution but actually the farmers and the farm uh, people who are uh, charged with distributing food, both to restaurants and also to the food stores, handle that quite well because there was a huge shift between how much food went to retail stores for homeowners uh, away from how many people were being served by uh, the uh, producers in the restaurants. It was a a tremendous shift. Uh, I, I don't think, I think once we look back on this years from now and get some perspective, uh, it will be amazing to see how our food industry was able to do that. Certainly it was concerning when you saw some store shelves empty there in the beginning of the pandemic, but it was just a matter of uh, the the supply chain was uh, just in time supply chain and all that had to shift from the restaurants and and food service 
over to grocery stores and homes and and we have figured it out so well. You know, Mother Nature uh, doesn't really care that we have a pandemic. Mother Nature stays on a clock. And so we knew in March when this pandemic started, we were going to have to plant a crop and we we're going to have to harvest a crop this year. And, and we were able to do that because uh, our farmers, our, our uh, I guess, motto for the year was we're hashtag still farming. That, that's what they had to do. They had to go farm. And, and so that's what they did. And and uh, we're able to feed people, and that's that's what we're most proud of, Mr. Kurtz. You know, I, I, I from time to time see uh, agriculture commissioner Steve Troxler. I used to see him at lunch quite often, but back when we could go to uh, out to lunch. Uh, and one of the things that he alerted to me to one time when um, uh, it had been raining a good bit, I said, uh, "Well, the." Farmers should be very happy with the amount of rain. And he said, you know, actually, sometimes you can have too much rain. But what my point is that uh, uh, the farmer is at the mercy of weather all the time. And uh, this is why uh, it, sometimes people refer to farmers as just gamblers because uh, they are so dependent on the weather. Uh, and we've been fortunate uh, this last year that weather was not really a factor, except perhaps a little bit too much water from time to time. We did have a, a fairly wet year in North Carolina standards. Um, and that, as Commissioner told you, can be a problem. Uh, certainly, we had some some pockets of that uh, this year. It, it's, uh, again, talking about the diversity of our state from the mountains to the coast. The mountains uh, were very wet this year. Uh, the coast, not quite as much. So, But but it's it's a constant with farmers every crop season. What is, what's the weather going to be this year? So we had a wet year. Does that mean it's going to be dry this year? And so you're constantly, there's no really better word for it than gambling. I mean, you, you spend a lot of money putting something in, in the dirt and covering it up and just waiting. So that's, well, yeah. not, not only that, but when you plant it, you have no idea what you're going to sell it for. If, if the crop comes out good, you don't know what the price is going to be. I started to bring that up. I mean, that's that price discovery, price issues. I mean, they are so so many times out of the farmer's control, uh, just like the weather. And so uh, that certainly is, uh, you know, I think some people would probably say, why do you do it? Um, some years are better than others. And uh, but I think there's a love for agriculture that is is born in the farmers for sure. Well, the farmers I've known uh, just love their work uh, and they love the whole experience. I had a great friend in Scotland County one time and I asked him how farming was and he said, great. And I said something else and I said, well, how long do you plan to farm? He said, well, I think I, I, I think I've got enough money. I can make it about eight more years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't... Uh... In farming, we, we don't talk, unfortunately, I'll say unfortunately, we don't talk much about retirement and, and all those kind of things. A, a lot of folks just keep right on going. Um, but it, it is a business. I will mention that. Uh, it has to be a business. We have to be successful. Uh, you, you hear people talk about breaking even and, and nobody out here goes to work every day to break even. So uh, we've got to make money to be successful, uh, to feed our families, just like everyone else. How, how does the crop insurance uh, aid the farmer and, and how does that whole system work? Well, you mentioned earlier the just the, the pure um, unknown of weather. And so that's where crop insurance comes in. You know, one of the things that we can know or hopefully can know is what are our costs? What are our costs going into a crop? And so we can look at our insurance and say, well, if we insure at this level, 
you know, if the, the worst comes and at least we can get our cost out of it, or at least we can not have a catastrophe. So that's where crop insurance comes in. Um, the federal government has moved more towards a crop insurance model. Uh, and I think uh, that's, that's the way our, our farmers are operating now pretty much. You mentioned the federal government. Of course, uh, the every year uh, there's a lot of discussion about uh, uh, how the federal government is going to handle the farmer. Uh, and uh, when you look at it from a federal situation, they have even a more complex situation because they're dealing with the entire country and weather is different in different areas. Some areas have droughts. Some areas have too much rain. Um, and uh, But how, how does the North Carolina Farm Bureau work as far as advocating for the farmer with the North Carolina congressional delegation? Well, you know, it's, you're right. It is a complex country when you talk about agriculture. You know what? I think the challenge and what we try to share uh, with our North Carolina delegation the challenge is that not many of those folks come from a farm anymore. So they don't understand agriculture and, and they don't understand our needs. And that's where we can step in and sit down and have a conversation with them about whether it's labor or whether it's prices or uh, weather disasters or whatever it is and talk about what our farmers need. Um, and, and that's what we try to do, whether, you know, not just our North Carolina delegation, but uh, anyone in Washington that we can share the story of agriculture with. Obviously, North Carolina Farm Bureau is a part of the American Farm Bureau. And so we have a, a role there in Washington as well. The tobacco uh, farming situation has changed more radically than any other, I suspect. And the dependence on tobacco in North Carolina, of course, has changed a lot. Uh, we've uh, gone through that with a, a, a relative amount of ease. I mean, you go back maybe as recently as 30 years ago, we had tobacco auctions and farmers would bring the crops in and they'd be auctioned away. That system's all died away now. Uh, tell me how the tobacco industry works now compared to how it used to work. Well, it's gone completely to a, I would call it a contract system uh, where the companies go to certain growers and contract them to grow a certain amount of tobacco. Pounds is how we deal with tobacco. So a certain amount of pounds, uh, which the farmer then knows how much tobacco he needs to plant. Um, it's quite different. Uh, it's quite modernized, really, from the whole auction system that we had, where everything is is in large bales now and, and taking to these uh, contract delivery facilities for each company. So uh, the modern tobacco farmer, it's just incredible. Uh, like most businesses, they've had to learn how to get larger, how to get more efficient, uh, how to do it cheaper, uh, just like every other business. And so they're, they're doing an outstanding job. I mean, we are still the, the star of that industry in the world. Um, we still grow the best tobacco in the world. We compete with other countries, Brazil and Zimbabwe and, and other countries. Uh, but tobacco, North Carolina tobacco is still... Uh, very much desire. And acreage uh, percentage wise, how much uh, uh, acreage has been lost uh, to, to the tobacco aspect of the business? Wow. I, you know, it depends on when you draw the lines, but it's, it's going down considerably. Obviously that's uh, been a factor because of, of the decrease in smoking uh, all across the world. Uh, I'd say we've probably lost in the last 10 years, at least 30% of our acreage uh, in the last 10 years. And, and generally what happens when that happens is we, you know, it's not one farmer cutting 30% of his crop. Uh, it's, it's probably someone uh, losing all of their acres 
you know, so we're losing farmers sometimes uh, when that happens. And that's very concerning. And that's, that's been one of the issues that we've been looking at is how do farmers, if they desire to diversify into something else, which is really near and dear to my heart. That's, that's where I came from. As I told you, I grew tobacco, but then I figured out how to do something else and, and farm another way. Uh, and so that's why we talked to, to people about if that's what they want to do, we want to help them in that transition. Well, it's, it's a, certainly an interesting thing. And of course, uh, I guess long-term, we all know that uh, tobacco and dependence on uh, smoking and so forth will probably continue to go down and that industry will change and continue to change. Um, I, uh, and of course, you know, uh, the, we are losing acreage to commercial development and residential development anyway. So some of that is eaten up uh, and is just lost and converted and converted away from farming. Well, certainly, you know, the state, uh, North Carolina is a fast growing state and we see it, uh, especially moving to Wake County like I have this past year. Uh, it's certainly different than uh, rural Beaufort County, uh, but you see the growth in our state uh, that can be both a positive and a negative. And I think that's the challenge for our state leaders. And, and we talk about it all the time is, is how do we uh, have a vision, have a plan to grow our state and, and we want it to grow, uh, but we're losing valuable property, valuable farmland in, in the same sense. And so I know the commissioners worked hard on that with the Department of Agriculture uh, to uh, conserve farmland. And that's, that's, you know, a very concerning part of what we do as well. Our guest is Sean Harding, president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. And we'll be back with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Sean Harding is our guest this week on Carolina Newsmakers, and we're talking about his role as president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. We're talking about how important agriculture is to the state of North Carolina. And we've talked about how the farmer has reacted to the pandemic, how we've kept the food supply going, and we've talked about the tobacco industry. Um, and... Uh, as we look ahead, what uh, are the forecasts at the present time for 
the year 2021. What, uh, uh, what, what are your experts telling you is likely to happen this year? Uh, I'm always cautious about uh, making predictions, even with experts, but uh, we all know how that worked out in, in 2020. Um, but, you know, actually, commodity prices are, are up, and that's a positive. Uh, I think this trade war with China has uh, maybe come to an end. We're hopeful. We'll see how this next administration deals with that. Uh, but China's buying a, a ton of products right now, and and so we're in a we're in an up cycle with commodity prices. So that always brings optimism on the farm, and uh, and that's a good thing. You know, the biggest concern I guess we have is is where we are in this pandemic. Um, and and we you know I think all of us probably thought we'd be closer to the end than we are. Um, but you know, the average age of a farmer in North Carolina is 58 years old, and that's the average. So we know a lot of our farmers are in this high risk category uh, for COVID. And so I, I just am hopeful that we can get farmers vaccinated as soon as possible, farm workers vaccinated as soon as possible. I think that's the, the biggest issue that I'm, I'm thinking, uh, looking at right now. What about uh, energy and energy prices? Uh, are they stabilized? Yeah, I think we're in a pretty good place in energy right now. I, I'm proud of what our nation has done. I know the, the whole ethanol discussion is not uh, popular with everyone, but, you know, uh, I can remember, I'm not too old, but I can remember we were so dependent on foreign oil. Uh, but now our nation is not as dependent on that. And a lot of that is because we're growing our own fuel. We're growing our own fuel in corn and ethanol. And so I'm proud of that. Um, and so I think our energy situation is good. Now, we all know uh, that we've got to be proactive when it comes to energy. I was disappointed uh, in the uh, not, not getting the natural gas pipeline this past year. And, and I think that would have been a positive for our eastern North Carolina. Uh, but we're continuing to work in that direction on, on energy. What about farm labor? And of course, the farmer uh, in North Carolina, particularly, has always been interested in the immigration situation. Where do we stand there? Well, it's it's a it's an ongoing situation. Uh, unfortunately, it's a it's sort of a powder keg. Uh, when you bring up immigration, you have people that are so uh, on both sides of the issue, so far apart. And you know what we're saying is, we had this this year was a great opportunity to look at this. We had a, the, a this spike in unemployment because of COVID and we still could not get people to work on the farm. And, and that's just where we are in our country. And I think our society needs to understand that, that if we're going to get crops harvested and, and produced and, and delivered, we've got to have this uh, guest worker to come in and help us do that. And they're proud to do it and they want to do it. And we work together and they, they are paid well. That money goes back to Mexico or wherever they come from and, and supports their families. So it's a great system. Uh, it needs to be fine-tuned. And we're going to continue to work on that on the federal level to have a better, uh, it's, it's called the H-2A program, guest worker program. But we saw that this year, that, that even with all the unemployment, uh, that, that people are not interested in farm labor. And and that's okay. That's where we are as a society. But we have to understand that means we need workers from somewhere. The uh, trade agreements uh, over the last several years have changed uh, somewhat. Has that turned out to be an advantage for North Carolina or a disadvantage? 
Well, our two biggest trading partners in North Carolina are Mexico and Canada. So this last uh, trade agreement, the USMCA, uh, was a positive for, for North Carolina agriculture. I think there's still some things to be worked out in that agreement. Uh, it's only uh, six or nine months in, uh, so we still got some things to look at there. Of course, the big one, the phase one China agreement, as I mentioned earlier, has, has uh, it looks like it's working, uh, but we need to continue to, to hold them to, to what they've agreed to. The big uh, work now is in Europe. We've got to get a trade agreement done uh, with the UK uh, and, and with Europe and try to work with those folks. And, and that would really help North Carolina agriculture. As I mentioned sweet potatoes earlier, uh, we export a lot of sweet potatoes to Europe. So that would be an important uh, trading partner for us. So uh, of, of the crops grown in North Carolina, about what percentage are exported to foreign countries compared to uh, use in the United States? You know, we, we like to use this visual because I think it helps everybody. Well, it helps if you come from a farm, maybe to understand this, that every fifth row uh, has to be exported. So if you're counting the rows, uh, every fifth row has to be exported. That's, that's what we have to do. So uh, we have to understand that. And, and uh, it's a big part of, of what we do in agriculture. And so we're blessed as a country to raise all this food and to be a part of feeding the world. And, and we want to continue to do that. So, uh, we've got to have, you know, good bilateral trade agreements that work for both sides. We are blessed in North Carolina to have an outstanding higher education system. And, of course, in the area of agriculture, that's sort of uh, the, uh, I guess, the main school that we look to is North Carolina State University. Has outstanding research programs going on all the time, but that's not the only college or university that's involved in agriculture. How how do you work with the universities and the colleges, both the privates and the publics? Well, we have a strong relationship with uh, North Carolina A and T, and I really appreciate working with them. You know, North Carolina A and T focuses a lot on the on the small farmers. As I mentioned earlier, we're a general farm organization, so we represent small farmers and large farmers organic farmers and, and non-organic farmers. So uh, we work closely with North Carolina A&T. Uh, University of Mount Olive has a really strong ag program uh, and we work real close with them. We have a, a young farmer program at that college. So uh, these are all partners of ours and uh, we look forward to working with any of the public and, and private universities that are looking to advance agriculture in this state. I, I just had a conversation with someone at, at East Carolina University yesterday in their business school uh, about that. So, you know, we're, we're always looking for those partnerships. Is the interest in majoring in agriculture as high as it once was? Uh, do you see a, a number of young people looking to farming as a career? We do. I, I, I think I would use this time to also say that we need more. Uh, we need more young people in agriculture. Uh, we need more to understand, because I think it, when everybody hears that agriculture, they think, well, I want to go be a farmer. We have tremendous amount of jobs that are ag-related jobs. That we, we just don't have enough people to fill those jobs. I know uh, Dean Linton over at the College of Ag Life Sciences at NC State has worked hard on that. And, and just to share with people, hey, we've got lots of opportunities in science. But really, when you boil agriculture down, it's a science. And so we're talking about, you know, everybody hears about STEM curriculum agriculture is a science uh, curriculum. And so there's all kinds of opportunities and, and will continue to be. 
And uh, so we need more young people to, to be in agriculture. And you mentioned North Carolina State uh, University. A lot of federal grants and a lot of grant money comes into the state uh, that is uh, spent on research projects at uh, particularly North Carolina State, to some degree, even UNC Chapel Hill and, of course, A&T and the other schools. But that's, uh, that's an important part of the economy in North Carolina, the amount of money that is spent in higher educational research. Oh, we're so blessed, right, as a state to have uh, the Research Triangle Park here. A lot of that research is based around agriculture and uh, agriculture sciences. So uh, it is tremendous. Uh, the ag science, uh, plant science building that's going on at NC State right now is going to be one of the premier ag science buildings in the nation. And again, it's one of those uh, probably most people don't know about. Uh, so we need to talk more about that. Uh, but really proud of that partnership over there at NC State and what what they uh, what they're doing in in uh, science and technology. I'm proud that, uh, and I've heard the dean talk about this. But the research that was continued this year during the pandemic. So there was a lot of concern. You know, there's certain things you just can't shut down. You would lose all the work you've done two or three years prior in that research. Uh, so they were able to continue that research and figure out how to do that this year. So I'm proud of that. And that will pay dividends in the future for agriculture. And of course, one of the things that always comes out of the research is the growing efficiency of the farmer. We get more uh, out of less land. And that's uh, so important as we uh, continue to serve more and more people in the world, not only in the United States, but in the world. We have to continue to get more and more efficient. And that's uh, the payoff of a lot of this research. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about uh, how much less land, how much less water uh, that is used now to produce the crops, produce the livestock, uh, produce animals that we do. So very proud of our efficiency. It's amazing, really, uh, what our farmers are able to do uh, with less now. And so, uh, you know, that's uh, obviously when you become more efficient, that's how we are. Uh, sometimes we have these situations where we have these big crops and and that become food becomes so much cheaper. But uh, we're just blessed that we have uh, such a great system in this country, in the state. Well, it, it is a real tribute to uh, our uh, university system that we are able to serve the agricultural interests uh, so well. And of course, as you pointed out, what an important part of the economy agriculture is uh, to North Carolina, always has been and always will continue to be. Well, our guest is Sean Harding. He's the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. And uh, we'll be back with one final segment on Carolina Newsmakers. Sort of wrap things up and talk about what uh, the prospects for the new year are likely to be with regard to legislation. And uh, again, I'm going to get back to his forecast of exactly what we can expect to happen. That's coming up here on Carolina Newsmakers. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. 
Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. John Harding is our guest on this edition of Carolina Newsmakers. He's the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, and as we said, uh, sort of new to that job. He's beginning his second year now in that capacity. Uh, and as Sean pointed out, he is reelected year by year. Sean is a active farmer, or was an f- active farmer. He, his family still operates a farm. Now he is working, of course, full-time with the Farm Bureau and its other uh, approximately uh, 1,800 or so employees that we discovered, 900 in the office here in Raleigh. 187 county offices across the state and some 800 or so that work in the insurance area. Sean, we uh, have talked about so many things. Let's let's look again at uh, the priorities for the year 2021. What are your legislative priorities uh, on the uh, state and federal level? And you can break those into two, two areas if you'd like. Well, I think... Um, <laughs> I would start with the obvious, I guess I would say, and that is rural broadband. And this has been a a drum that we've been beating for, I don't know, four or five years, maybe more. Um, But I think all of us saw it this year more than ever, whether your kids were home and and couldn't log on to be educated. Uh, But we just saw the the disconnect. uh, And so we have talked about that issue uh, what I think, you know, what I'm hopeful for, I guess I would say, is because you can talk to people on both sides of the aisle and everyone agrees this is something we have got to get fixed. Uh, broadband is not a situation where it's a luxury anymore. It's a necessity. And so uh, that's going to be our number one priority going in this year, really, because I believe we can work across the aisle with both sides, which is where we we always work at Farm Bureau uh, and, and talk about this issue. So that's that's probably the number one uh, on, the, on the federal level, are, are, uh, what, uh, in addition to the broadband, of course, the federal government can help with that as well. But what are the other issues with the federal government and uh, crop prices and so forth? Yeah, I, I think probably what I would say on the federal level is, you know, with a change in administration, uh, we're going to look to see which direction they want to go. We already know uh, that this I'm going to call it the climate change discussion is going to be had. And we're ready to have that discussion. When I say we're ready as as farmers, as agriculture, we can be a positive force in that discussion, Uh, whether we're talking about uh, carbon credits or or whatever discussion is, uh, we certainly want to be a part of that. I'm proud that uh, here in North Carolina, we've already reached out to some of the other environmental groups to talk about how can we work together uh, to solve this issue. And I know that's happening with American Farm Bureau as well. So I think that's going to be a real push. We're excited uh, The you know, the, a lot of the leadership in, in Washington uh, is coming from North Carolina. We have a relationship with Michael Regan, who's going to be the new uh, uh, chairman of EPA. And so we have that relationship. And so I think we have friends there that we can have a discussion with 
and just talk about how we move forward in this in this discussion of climate change. You mentioned earlier we sort of settled our trade agreements with Mexico and Canada, uh, and you mentioned that uh, we need to work harder to get an establishment with uh, in relationships as far as exports with uh, European countries, especially uh, Great Britain. So where, what's next there? Well, I think there is an ongoing discussion about uh, those trade agreements. Obviously, we got to wait and see with new new folks going into Washington where they will go. I, you know, I, I was actually reading something this morning in Europe that a lot of those folks over there, as, as we talk about vaccines and science and trusting the science during this COVID world, it's a great opportunity to say, yes, in agriculture, this is what we've been saying for years, trust the science. And so when we talk about, uh, you know, gene editing and, and those kind of things that make us more efficient on the farm, that's all that, that uh, is happening with vaccines as well. And, and these things are safe, they're trusted, uh, they're tested. Uh, and so I think the big problem we've had with Europe is just the uh, not understanding the science behind agriculture. And so I think that hopefully, I'm hopeful anyway, uh, that maybe this year of COVID, there's some, some uh, silver lining to it that will come out of that. And we can say, trust the science. We also mentioned uh, the, the diversity of crops in North Carolina. We forget that there's so many things like apples and Christmas tree farming in the West that uh, we don't always think of as being a part of agriculture, but the Christmas tree industry had a great year this year. Yes, sir. You know, I think that was a, a statement I made early on in the pandemic was that there would be winners and losers. I guess in every situation, that's the case. Uh, but what we saw was uh, in our apple farmers and Christmas tree farmers, a lot of them have a public facing uh, business and, and they were just overrun with people uh, wanting to buy local, wanting to support the farms, which just is it, just fascinating and, and, and just great, you know. And so I, a lot of our farmers had a very successful year. You're right. Christmas tree farms uh, sold out pretty quickly this year. Of corn and tobacco and soybeans and cotton, what are the crops that are likely to continue to grow in North Carolina? Which ones might actually decline somewhat? Well, I think we'll hold our own in, in those industries. Uh, you know, we are what we call a corn deficit state. And that's because, as I mentioned early on, we have so many uh, chickens and pigs to feed. Uh, we don't have enough corn. So all the corn to feed all those animals, a lot of that corn actually has to come from the Midwest. And so uh, we're gonna continue to have a market here for what corn and soybeans uh, and wheat we can grow. Um, you know, cotton, as I mentioned, has had some ups and downs in prices, but we can grow a lot of cotton in North Carolina and do it very efficiently. So I think that will continue to be uh, a, a bright spot as well. Uh, you know, I, I don't see anything decreasing right now as I could look at it. Um, one of the things that we're trying to push is, is our fruit and vegetable industry. Uh, we can grow a lot of fruits and vegetables, but we don't uh, take a lot of those fruits and vegetables to the, to the finish line. And so I think food manufacturing is an awesome opportunity here in North Carolina and something that we can look forward to. Well, that's a good point because why, if we grow it here, why don't we produce it here? The end product here and, and cut down on the travel. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Uh, and I think that is the direction I, I know that a lot of our economic development people are looking at, especially in eastern North Carolina. Uh, there's some opportunities there. Um, and, and that's the other thing I would just uh, add is that we've got to also look, as I talked about early on with Farm Bureau, we're not just a, 
a voice for agriculture, but we feel like we're a, a voice for rural North Carolina. And so we've got to look about how we make rural North Carolina uh, successful. I mentioned broadband, and that's a part of it. Uh, but we've, we've got to look at, uh, you know, we see so many, as I've mentioned, being in Wake County here, we see so many jobs here. We've got to look at getting jobs in western and eastern North Carolina as well. And, of course, we do have the ports that, that we can uh, use for exporting. Uh, and we have hardly touched on the uh, pork industry and how much uh, exporting they do. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, the pork industry exports a lot, and uh, especially with China last year having uh, uh, African swine fever. So they were in need of pork. And, uh, and that's a big part of what we do here in North Carolina. And, and I'm proud of our pork industry and, and what they do. They're in a change and in, in flux right now. Um, and I think that's because of the pandemic, but we're going to figure it out. And I think the other part of it, and there's been a lot of discussion about, we need more opportunities for people, uh, for these smaller processors as well that come in and help uh, process meat. We saw that this year during the pandemic as well. So there are going to be lessons uh, that we learn through this. You know, it's just like any of us at home. You, you have uh, difficult times, but you learn from it. And, uh, and there'll be lessons certainly we can learn from this pandemic. Uh, of course, you could get more information. If you'd like more information about the Farm Bureau, you can just go online and say North Carolina Farm Bureau and find out all the information you need to know about what this organization does. Sean, thank you so much for sharing time with us. I'm sure our listeners enjoyed it, and uh, we will look forward to having you back on again. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can do so by going to carolinanewsmakers.com carolinanewsmakers.com and uh, hear not only this broadcast but any others that we have archived through the years. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong and he promises me faithfully we'll have another interesting guest next week. So the next week, have a nice week everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.